If you didn't vote, you can't complain. Next on MLR Weekly, Major League Rugby star, USA Rugby legend, and Players Association representative Nick Chavetta on MLR expansion drafts, Chicago's dispersal picks, and player welfare. Plus, MLR headlines with Rugby Morning's John Fitzpatrick. Rugby wrap-up brought to you in part by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, and... Lean and limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's MLR Weekly. As presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City after a marathon weekend. And I'm not talking about jogging, but that's another story. In the meantime, we have a great show for you this week. We have Nick Chavetta, the MLR star, USA Rugby legend, and now repping USRPA, the United States Rugby Players Association. He's going to be on to talk about stuff with the MLR, the draft, the dispersal, the expansion, that kind of thing. And we have our MLR weekly recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break, with the effervescent, always smiling, John Fitzpatrick. It's Matt, I was told I don't smile enough on this show, so I'm going to give you a big, bright old smile. How does that sound? Disingenuous smiles on rugby shows. Next. Yes, sir. Let's start with some player signings and re-signings. The San Diego Legion, they have signed former LA Guiltini's tight head prop, Fred Apu. Apu attended the USA High Performance Pathway Camp in Colorado in 2021. But Matt, my question to you is, how come he isn't part of the dispersal drafts? Seems odd, right? Well, we're going to have dispersal draft chatter with Nick Chavetta, but it's all evolving organically as we speak behind the scenes. So ask me something that's a timely question for the show. Next! New England Free Jacks. There's a smile. The Free Jacks have announced the return of Namibian center, Le Rue Milan. Le Rue, not to be confused with the Disney Princess Warrior Milan, and definitely not to be confused with the not-Disney movie Moulin Rouge. Matt, you know a thing or two about cabaret or burlesque shows, don't you? I do, and I didn't know. I was on a blind date. I did not know that that was a musical, and that was our last date. Next! <laughs> what could have been? Old Glory DC, they have announced the signing of Canadian international Graydon Bowd. Bowd, a fly half, has been selected to Canada's 32-man squad for its two upcoming tests against the Netherlands and Namibia. He also comes with a case of Tim Horton's Honey Glazed Donuts. Next! The best. How about the Toronto Arrows? Speaking of Canada, they have re-signed prop Isaac Salmon. Salmon was voted Toronto's Ford of the Year last season. Great job reeling him back in for the 2023 MLR season. Nothing fishy about the signing of Salmon. Next! How about some other MLR news? Old Glory DC announced that former Seattle Seawolves and Cap USA Eagle Ben the Boot Seema, who is from the DC area, will run the organization's Pathway program. That's pretty cool, eh, Matt? That is excellent, and I've always been jealous of Ben for his play and his great hair. Next! Indeed, Matt. How about we close out this little segment talking about USA versus Kenya? How about those MLR domestic players showing up and showing out on the stat sheet? What can you say? John, right before I let you go, I got to say, folks, if you aren't yet subscribed to Rugby Morning's newsletter, you have to because it is the most informative thing on the planet in bullet form, global rugby, telling you what, where to watch, what, when. It's amazing. 
do it. Sign up. Do it. On that note, thank you, Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Mornings Coffee Break. We'll be right back with Nick Chavetta after this. Selling or trading in your vehicle? She makes it easy. With Easy Trade, start online or visit us in store. We want your vehicle, and we'll give you up to 125% of KBB value. It's easy at Sheehy. Sheehy.com. There he is, running the Tuba Nation! Let's! 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 Yeah! Representing University of Buffalo Rugby! If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Wheels on fire, taking them higher, like Speedy Gonzalez, making you tire. Classy ambition in every position, immense in defense, just like Mum's fence. Tactics, fanatics, hat-tricks, fantastic, there's nowhere to hide from the Welsh side vibe. Football tribe. World Cup pride. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we are back with the artist formerly known as Civetta, Mr. Nick Civetta. Nick, you're an Eagle legend, recently of Rugby New York. You've played overseas. You're an American, goddamn good one, and you know this stuff pretty much as well as anyone. So you're here today talking the perspective of the USRPA, the United States Rugby Players Association, and it's about what's going on in the MLR major league rugby specifically about the expansion Chicago team and how players are going to populate that team. Huh. Okay. Um, well, the way the draft stands now, I got, I guess I can walk you through from the beginning, um, Let's do how, it. how this originated, right? So on November 2nd, the league notified Austin and LA players only, of the fact that they were going to have um, a dispersal, a dispersal and an expansion draft, a combined dispersal and expansion draft, um, to send teams to send players to Chicago and to disperse the LA and Austin players around the league. The document that sent that was sent to these players was fairly vague and fairly troublesome, troubling. Um, and uh, you know the USRPA um, has posted there. Their, their thoughts on it on, on Twitter a couple times, um, and rightly so, because I think there's some major concerns in there. We can address that a bit later. But just structurally, essentially what this draft is supposed to do is disperse these players around the league, disperse the Austin LA players around the league, and give Chicago players, right? So um, just a couple hours ago, the league updated their draft um, procedures to reflect the concerns well, unfortunately, not the concerns of the players, but the concerns of the owners and the GMs who are dissatisfied by the idea that they'd have to relinquish up to five of their players, oh, up to three of their players after selecting five into this expansion draft um, this late in the game. Teams have to put three players into this expansion draft. The players don't necessarily need to be under contract. They just need to be... They need to have their rights held by that team, which is which is interesting and, and troubling. 
now teams can decide not to do that. They can decide not to participate in the drafts at all. Um, and the punishment for not participating means that they are unable to sign Austin and LA players until a later date after they've been um, dispersed around the league and, and have gone through negotiations with their drafted team or an, another team if their drafted team doesn't work out. Yeah, so that's what's happening um, in 48 hours, you know, behind closed doors to the media. Um, and yeah, um, there's going to be players drafted by Chicago who are going to go to um, a new team in a new city with no current brand or announced coach or announced training facility or stadium or um, housing situation. I mean, just the vagaries of, of Chicago at the moment are probably pretty troublesome for players who are going to be drafted by them. And uh, yeah, season starts in two months. So that's where we're at. The players in the dispersal draft are only players from LA and Austin. Whereas yeah. in the expansion draft, it's those three players that each team selects to be exposed and teams cannot can opt out, but they opt out and they miss the chance of picking up an LA or Austin player until a later date when that time shot clock expires, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, how, that's how we understand it. And, and there's a difference in contract language. There's a standard players contract and an associate players contract. And those are the hourly players that typically have, day jobs or second jobs. And the big yeah. concern is for them more, you know, not more than the standard player, but they, if they're a part-time player and they've got a day job here or wherever their, their hometown is or city is, then they've got to relocate. And the question is as yeah. per the language so far put out, that's a real concern because there's nothing reflecting in the language right now. Yeah, I mean, the document was pretty vague. I, I think it, it would, from, from an owner's point of view, you probably don't want to ship away your marquee players, right? So you'd probably put up your APC players who make $15 an hour um, into this expansion draft if you if you were to enter the expansion draft. And you're basically presenting these players with, like, an impossible choice, right? So, like, if you get drafted in this expansion draft as an APC player um, and your choice is to move across the country to Chicago or to stay potentially in, um, you know, at wherever you are at the moment at a team that wants to ship you away um, is like not really a choice at all. Right. And then if, if you can't come to terms with Chicago, your rights are returned uh, to, to the team that doesn't want you. Right. And if you can't come to terms with them, then, you know, you're SOL. This document was pretty vague about how players have to be compensated. You know, the only thing it mentioned was that um, players who are drafted need to be compensated at the minimum, at their minimum, at their minimum MLR compensation from the previous season or their agreed upon compensation for the current season. All right. And there's nothing. So the way compensation works in the MLR, if, if you didn't know, is you have an MLR salary, um, you have, um, and that's that's in a contract that you sign with with the league. Um, and then outside of that, you typically sign some sort of deal contract memorandum, memorandum of understanding with your team that that includes your housing benefits and any other auxiliary benefits. So or ancillary benefits like health care or coaching stipend, um, all things that are contained within different caps. Right. So the language in this this draft document doesn't really address any, any ancillary benefits. So the worry as a player is, 
you know, it's it's late in the game. A lot of teams have, have filled up their 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 salary cap. Um, you know, let's say you were in Austin and you were making, you know, your MLR salary was, you know, $20,000 a year, right? And on top of that, you had a housing benefit and access to a car and health insurance, right? Well, the only obligation Chicago has is just to pay you $20,000 for the season, right? The, the, the document is particularly vague about how they would take care of the ancillary benefits and teams don't necessarily have matching ancillary benefits. So you're kind of entering into a negotiation where, you know, you might just get like, oh, we only have $20,000 left. Sorry, here's um, this is what you have to survive off of if you want to play for Chicago. That, that's it's, a, it's, a, it's a mess, to say the least. And it's, a mess. and it's hasty. And it was done in a week. You know, well, let me play the devil's advocate here a little bit, because, yeah. you know, I, I'm I, I I'm pretty much. I get to look at both sides without a stake necessarily, other than hoping that the league succeeds, obviously. So every owner that I have spoken to, their views don't reflect what's in the language. And I think that's the disconnect. And I think that's why these things keep changing moment by moment. So, I mean, even after this show is out, what we've discussed has probably changed. And it's only a day after the fact that Mm. we're talking. So I, I do know that owners... Like they, they they say like well we don't, we 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 don't want a guy that doesn't want to come here and obviously we're not going to uproot somebody that has a job or blah 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 so but that's from from your standpoint the language hasn't changed and that's the problem whereas the the thought process for the owners is to me in complete disconnect with a lot that's in the language yeah. you know I, I think it, it leaves a lot to the the goodwill of the owners right and. The, the 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 idea from a player's point of view that they'll take care of you right and that based on how things have gone in this league the last couple of years like i don't think we can just rest and say oh yeah well we expect them they'll they'll do right by us um so well, we did they did pay during covid yeah they paid they paid mlr conference yeah that's true yeah right? they did pay. i mean so they do they do have somewhat of a track record of you know the two teams going down it was two businesses failing right yeah and i and that's the unfortunate thing here and this is an unprecedented move in this league where this happens. So it's an, it's, they are extenuating circumstances and trying to sort through this specifically in this time frame because they did try up until the 11th and 12th and 13th hour, if you will, to negotiate LA remaining in this league and keeping those players in LA there and then just having the players from Austin go to Chicago. That was their ultimate hope. The last ditch efforts. Yeah, that's, that's not an excuse so to not have a now. plan B, right? It's not an excuse to not have a plan B. Like they must have known that if these teams fail, like that they have to have a draft put in place. And over the last few months, like they could be, first of all, they could be answering players' emails with like you know real answers rather than just saying, "Oh well, hold on. Oh, we don't know. You know, oh no, we're not releasing you. You know, that's that's something that that happened the last few months." As if as the freezing of player movements, there was a way to kind of avoid all this last minute, this last minute eruption of opinions, right, from both the owner side and the player side. It was just communication, and it was you know involving the stakeholders who were important to the situation, which are the players and the yeah. owners. Let's take a quick break, and we'll kind of come back, and we're going to hammer out some more of these questions, including some of the statements that have come out from USRPA right after this. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a 
A naked woman? Riding on a unicorn? Jumping over fire? Oh, that's good beer. Nick Chibetta. Nick, uh, I just wanted to address some of the things that came out from the USRPA, the United States Rugby Players Association, uh, on Twitter and social media that basically got my attention along with the owners, respective owners' attentions. Uh, And one of those points, there was a three-pointer that came out. We've addressed two of them already. Uh, But I like that the percentage of each player's salary – in both drafts to be excluded from the 2023 salary caps, including has housing and ancillary benefits. That's to me shows um, some forward thinking and maybe trying to throw a, a, a an olive branch to the owners. Um, well, I think going along with the draft is already an olive branch to the owners. Um, but what, what alternative is there? <sighs> right. I mean, I mean, you, know? you could you could just say you could have a work stoppage and say we're not going to play, but I don't think anyone um, from Austin or LA is expecting to make a bajillion dollars next year, right? And I and I and I guess to to reiterate, it was a small small minority of players in either team who were making salaries that were outside of the salary cap, right? You know, probably on the order of you know twenty players in the entire league, um, or twenty players across the two teams. Um, again, Good. that's speculative based on. Um, you know, I guess you could say the rumor mill. Um, so we're in a position where these guys coming into negotiations late with teams um, would would be advantaged by, um, you know, uh, um, their salaries being exempt from the salary cap. You've got teams that are hemorrhaging cash and willing to do so to try to get this thing stable and running with a yeah. long, you know, pa- path a long road ahead of them. They are hemorrhaging cash and yeah. increasing the salary cap for people at home that don't understand this. The nature of the beast in America is when you increase the, what the whatever the cap is, and depending on what state you're in, you have to add another one and a half times to two times that amount of money for insurance, mm. right? So if your cap is at $500,000, in some states, you're going to have a nut of... 1.5 million or 2 million as yeah. which really kind of translates to the cap. So there is that they are hemorrhaging cash. They're not, they're not making money yet. I mean, that that's true. Right. But we're not asking for them to double the salary cap. We, we'd, we'd want them to, you know, open it up, whatever it ends up being 40, 50 grand for, for players who, you know, who, for the additional players that they need to sign now who need to be dispersed around the league. That's 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 the thinking. It's not it's not you know, we're not asking for it to be doubled. Um, it's 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 simply and honestly, it's 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 simply to accommodate the situation that we're in currently. You know, I think one of the misconceptions maybe about, um, you know, union union politics in general is that it's all about the wage and it's all about, you know, making sure that players are paid out and paid really, really well. And while, yeah, that's the long term goal of the MLR is to be sustainable and to have players making good money. Like that's not something we want now. It's not something that's necessary for us to be, you know, um, 
sitting at the table with the with with the MLR and 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 getting productive results and making productive policies, right? Whether it's around healthcare or travel standards or pitch standards. I mean, if you look at the work that we did with um, the league on the HIA protocol, you know that that was player started. You know, we we saw an issue in the league. We saw um, a player welfare issue that could be addressed. Um, we went to the league with it. Um, and it took a little bit of time, but you know they came back and they said, you know what, there's something to do here. Let's let's get together. Let's have a let's form a committee um, with a couple players um, and an, an independent neurologist and some stakeholders from the league, and let's really think about how we can deliver better better concussion safety outcomes to our players. And over the course of the off season, before the season, we before the 2022 season, we sat down maybe 20 times. Um, and made sure that we got that protocol ready. And alongside that protocol came the introduction of the TMO, right? So, I mean, two major benefits for the league, and that was done, you know, through a player stakeholder process. I mean, it was informal. You know, we were we were there. I was on the the, the concussion subcommittee representing myself, not representing the Players Association. Um, and the league was really receptive to positive change. So, I mean, the things that we were looking for in the future are no different. You know, they're... The things that will make a material improvement in our lives um, without breaking the bank of the league. Because I think, you know, we, we want a really productive relationship with this league. We want a, a relationship that allows the league to flourish, not not hampers the league. You know, we're not like we, we don't want to be antagonistic. I don't think we have been antagonistic. I think we've just you know pointed out some things that the league is, has done hastily and, and without too much thought and without consultation. And perhaps, you know, perhaps going down the road, I think both parties might understand that, um, you know, let's let's have more open dialogue. Let's let's avoid the the public fray, if you will. And while we're on that, what do you say to those that say out there, well, players are, are a little bit hypocritical in that they were taking money under the table, which probably or maybe undermined the rest of their team or their teammates and led to this salary cap kerfuffle. Well, the situation in which this was even possible was was um, was created by the league, right? Without having any oversight and without policing it properly, year one with LA, right? So, right from the start, you know, it was it was an owner who said, "No, I got the best of these guys. I can do what I want," right? So there was no expectation on the player side of things that um, that things were going to end badly. And on top of that, I'm sure Gil Gilchrist was pretty open about the fact to his players that he was arguing week in, week out that he wanted the salary cap doubled and tripled. That would bankrupt. Exactly. You know, so that from would bankrupt player, 12 if, teams. If you're, being told, if you're being told by your owner, like, oh, no, we're going to get this thing doubled and tripled, you're not thinking too hard about how much you're making. Right. And then on top of that, and, and I think the point that needs to be made, is that 10, 10 players on either team maybe were making this much money. You know, I know guys on Austin and LA who were on minimum wage playing every week, you know, or less. Like the majority of both teams were making crap wages and a few superstars were doing exceedingly well, right? And that's so, not a great thing for the league at all. How does USRPA look at that? Well, we want, we want salary transparency. We think everyone's salary should just be published online. The MLS does it. I think that'd be a great way to make sure that 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 compensation is 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 um, kept under control, right? And then and then and then on top of that, like the contract structure needs to reflect um, needs to reflect you know the ability to have transparency, right? Because you know you have your compensation broken up into a couple little chunks, right? If it was just like Nick's getting paid sixty thousand dollars, that's the extent of his compensation. That's it. 
you know, you can see that. But if it's like someone's getting paid this much in housing and then this much for this and then this much for image rights and then for this much for an MLR salary, yeah, that's much more difficult to put together and, yeah. and put out there um, tra for transparency reasons. And we're right? seeing we're seeing those issues pop up and rear their ugly heads across the globe in the different professional setups. All right. While your head is completely spinning on its on your shoulders, I want to ask you this question. I, and yeah. I want you to give me a, a two sentence answer. Why sure. the heck is USA Rugby in a repechage situation? Oh, geez. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one at the end here. Um, yeah. Listen, uh, all I can say is that um, the last five weeks I was with the team, um, it is the best environment I've been in since since 2019. Um, and the standards are high. Guys are working their, their balls off. And, um, you know. Rugby I, I balls off. They're, rug they're rugby, working their rugby balls off. Um, and yeah, I, I felt different in the environment in the last five weeks. I felt like we were working towards something really productive um, and and really positive. So um, whatever whatever the circumstances were in the past, I, I would say that based on my experiences that we're in a good place. Um, and I'll be watching very intently this weekend and next weekend. Nick Chibetta, thank you for coming on, my friend. Um, thank you for having me, Matt. Um, yeah, it's always a great pleasure. Um, and thank you for making a big deal about the pronunciation of my name again. Love that. Just check. You know, there's one thing that we could try to do as broadcasters is get the names right. But let me <laughs> ask you this question. Okay, I got one final question for you. Do you think it's a little bit disingenuous for uh, somebody to say a person's name as though they're in the middle of that country just because they're familiar with the language and then not say Chibetta when you score a try. I uh, couldn't follow that question. My uh, Never mind. All right. Thank you. All right. He's, uh, he's dodged that question with the depth experience of a grizzled veteran. Well done. And thank you for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me, Matt. On that note, I want to thank you, Mr. Nick Chivetta, for coming on. And thank Mr. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. And also thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including The Rugby Odds, The College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Join our weekly newsletter. And please, please, please sign up for our American Red Cross blood donor team.